I'm Chad Rutherman. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And welcome to No Clip Pocket. Love is fun everywhere. Today, we're going to be talking about Buddy Simulator 1984, which was released in 2021 and was developed by Not A Sailor Studios, whose name you will see many, many times while playing this game. Mm-hmm. But first, if you give us a like or a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. So, Buddy Simulator 1984 is, well, by definition, I would say this is an RPG. That's probably the way to look at it, though. It's like one third of the time it's an RPG. Mm -hmm. And even then, you don't like level up or get skills. No. You just do combat in an RPG adjacent way i would say it's a like a concept game yeah it the idea is that this computer ai is trying to make a game for you and it keeps evolving over time right uh and also spoiler alert i guess uh this game has a few little surprises in it uh and, I don't know, sometimes we like to throw this in for a game that you probably haven't played yet. Yeah, so. I f- yeah the less you know, the better. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you haven't played it, uh, go do that first. Yeah. The, w- the way that I would describe this as the elevator pitch, if you started the episode and are, st- and are unconvinced whether or not you would want to play this game, uh, is that it is a, it's a game that starts out as a desktop simulation, um, and as the layers sort of peel away and you get to the core of what the game actually is, uh, it's a lot more of a straightforward turn-based game, uh, in its mechanics than it leads itself on as, and then you're playing essentially for the narrative and the twists and turns and it's sort of like scares and jokes. Yeah. It might be that you took a week off in the middle, mm-hmm. but I feel like the RPG part isn't any more like of what the game is than like the the part where it's just like a top down Zelda or like the weird like first person part at the end. Like I feel like it's kind of like an equal piece of the pie, and not the majority of it. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It, to me, it feels like at least half. Mm. Like it was a lot more of because they're like puzzles and stuff that you solve in that zone uh and all of like i count everything pretty much from the top down part to Mm. the end of the game as like the quote-unquote real game sure um but the game is really short, so it is kind of hard to contextualize True, yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what I was going to say, now that we're through is, all of the... It is the longest part. Yeah. For sure. Uh, the, the, the way that I personally feel about the game after having played it is that this game had a lot of really creative ideas, and it used up most of them in the first two hours. Mm. Uh, and I was a little bit bummed, honestly, when the game turned into what it actually ended up being after that mm-hmm. um but it, it's not like i didn't like it it's just it was not what i was it was not what i was expecting but not in the way <laughs> that i wasn't expecting it to not expect to be <laughs> yeah i found out about this game um through a, just a random youtube video mm-hmm. uh that was in my recommended or whatever um from a channel called spooky game squad Hell to yeah. guess i'll shout out because i remember what it was <laughs> 
Um, but they they just had a screenshot of this game, and I was like, "What's that? That seems like a thing that me and Chad would play." Mm-hmm. Um, and so I like I just watched the first couple minutes, and I was like, "Well, I definitely want to play that." So stopped watching the video. So I I only saw like the top down part, like just the walking around the town in the black and white as like a ghost man. Right. Um so when it started up and it was like a desktop sim and then it became a text adventure, I was like, "Oh, this is really cool." Yep. Um and then once it goes from being a text adventure to the top down thing and you actually get to explore the little area that was described in the text adventure, mm-hmm. that was all really cool. Um, and, but I agree with you. Um, I feel like it does kind of settle into being that kind of top-down uh, quirky game mm-hmm. and could could have done more with its weird premise uh, yeah. than it does. Yeah, it seems like a lot of time was spent fleshing out the mechanics, and I can't even imagine, like... I mean, I can imagine this. I'm just sad to think about it. Uh, if you're a developer, right, and you make the game that turns into Buddy Simulator 1984, and you probably put a lot of time into making the unique attacks and animations for all the different characters, and then you only let your player have two for the entire game, mm-hmm. uh, you can't like swap out your party members and stuff. So I feel like there's probably a lot of development time put into all of the characters in the first town, and then a lot of people won't see a lot of that work. So mm. what you end up with is the cool parts that you see and then the beginning and the end and, and everything else. So I imagine that contributed to why the game is one, as short as it is. And two, uh, feels like it has a huge amount of variety at the beginning and then slowly sort of dwindles off. Yeah. And it, I think it clearly wants you to play it more than once. Yes. And those characters are, I think just another way to incentivize you to do that. Agree. Yeah, but um, I also feel like, like I, I was sad that I I saw mm-hmm. uh, gameplay of the top down part f- first, and that's what I was expecting the game to be, um, because I feel like going into this totally blind definitely would have enhanced it, where it just goes from a text adventure to like you know like it keeps evolving. I feel like that would have been really cool to experience. Fresh, yeah. and which I didn't get to do, and, but I don't, and I don't know if you did or not. I did. I okay. I didn't know um, anything about this game when I started it up. Um, I did expect it to be more, um, but it was more just sort of an extrapolation from like this is a game that people like and people tend to not like games that have a very simple premise that rely on execution. Mm-hmm. So I expected it to become more complicated. Um, and the game goes from, or it starts not actually with the text adventure, but with like playing sol- not solitaire, but like tic tac toe, hangman, and something else. Yeah, which does sort of like create a nice parallel to at least the ending that I got, where it kind of devolves back into that just with. 3D space, Mm -hmm. uh, where you're playing these simple two-player games against an AI. Um, So I thought that was really cool, uh, but starting with that, I knew, I was like, this is going to become something else. I did not expect it to go the direction that it did, necessarily, Um, and I really liked 
the text adventure part and the exploration part. Like I yeah. thought, and I, well, I also liked the RPG part. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to like keep dismissing it. Mm-hmm. I just felt like it was the less creative of them. The indie game deconstructing turn-based RPG combat thing is a little bit overplayed at this yeah. point. <laughs> um, but it's still enjoyable in this because um, it, it's like humorous and everything. The way you just compliment people. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I feel like, yeah, especially if you had gone in blind, I feel like it could have afforded to, like, milk the beginning longer before it, like, changed. Yeah. Because uh, I feel like that's when it has, like, the most, like, when it's the most mysterious, I think, is when it feels like the possibility space is the biggest. Like, um, when you first get into the top-down um, town area, um, one of the first things I did was, like, I went south and I found the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think you're supposed to do. At least that's where I found the dog. Yeah. I wasn't sure if like, if you didn't find that, if the dog would show up somewhere else, but, um, that just seemed really cool. And it set up my expectations to be more like, try to push the boundaries Mm -hmm. and see where you can like break out of the game and fuck with the AI, uh, where, and maybe I missed a bunch of stuff, but (laughs) it, it, it felt like it, there wasn't a lot of opportunity to do that. Right. It, I think it's more... I I agree with that, actually. I think that it just doesn't provide you with a ton of opportunity for it. Uh, the game mm-hmm. is pretty, like, small and stringent about where you can go. Um, so it has, like, these narrative beats where the game is, is bug, bugging out, uh, where you can choose to, like, either follow the instructions of uh, your buddy, uh, Gary, in my case... Mm. Uh, or <laughs> Wumbo in my case, <laughs> uh, or or like disobey him in order to push as far as you can against it, which I think is going to be most people's uh, instinct. Mm-hmm. I feel like the majority of players of the game who at least who get to that point where they have the opportunity to fuck around with stuff probably aren't just going to obey everything that the AI says. Yeah, I feel like you're going to end up with a lot of people, because it sounds like we both got the same ending. Mm -hmm. I feel like most people are going to take a wishy-washy approach Mm -hmm. where they want to fuck with it, but then they also want to see everything that the AI makes, so you kind of play it in between. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm not actually 100% sure what it is that I could have done, because I didn't look up the, like, requirements for the endings. I just know that there are four. Mm. Uh, I don't know what I would have done differently in order to break it further, because I didn't do anything that he asked me to ever. Yeah. Um, I tried insulting him sometimes when, like, the text prompts would come up, but I didn't really seem to do anything. Yeah. but I, I imagine um, the the bits of corrupt data you can dig up with the shovel. True, like yeah. finding all of those probably does a thing. Yeah, I didn't I didn't spend a lot of time with those. Um, though yeah. I know that they. Appeared. I found like a handful, but yeah, and they show up in your documents folder. I want to move back a little bit because yeah. I think that there is going to be like a meat of conversation to talk about with the actual like combat mechanics and stuff Mm -hmm. so i just want to briefly go and and talk about the sort of text adventure thing um because it sets up an expectation that i feel like the game just like goes entirely against once it gets going um because the the text adventure part is like really creepy Mm-hmm. Uh, in a successfully unsettling way. And it's part sound effects, because 
it's got sort of the old computer hard drive whirring sound going and like Mm -hmm. just the occasional tick and talk that happens in the in your headphones uh and it's good i think it's super good it gave me um less stupid simulacra audio feeling Mm. where it's not as overtly like a jump scare it's more just like the audio soundscape is supposed to mimic a room that you aren't in, which mm. makes you a little bit anxious about, like, was is that a real noise or is that coming from the headphones? Yeah. Like, when I was playing that part, I was like, this is going to be Chad's favorite part of the game. <laughs> uh, I thought to myself. Um, and uh, I, I also think, like, I was thinking about um, Kentucky Route Zero while playing through it. Um, I feel like a cave... Or some kind of dark place is a great place to set a text adventure because there's something about like looking at the black screen and be having a area that is dark mm-hmm. like described to you. There's like there's some kind of like atmospheric uh, wizardry there that it just kind of <laughs> works at least for me. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I I thought it. You're right. It was very creepy and like surprisingly. Uh, well executed, I think. Yeah, I think the whole text adventure part's really good. Uh, I like, like you mentioned, that once the game develops graphics, you are able to go back outside the house and see all of the things. And it, I think, honestly, is probably a good illustration of sort of the tone of the game as a whole. Because when everything is being described to you, and your expectations after you load the game... And the sort of, like, weirdness of everything gives you this, like, this creepy feeling, like, the vibe of what it's going for. Yeah, like, I imagined the house as a spooky mansion. Mm-hmm. Like, 100%. Oh, yeah. But me too. Like, I was thinking, like, an old Georgia estate, you know? Like, mm-hmm. with the porch, with the enclosure. Yeah. I don't know if you... Um... I uh, did I Spy books as a kid, mm-hmm. but I was giving me I Spy Spooky Mansion vibes. <laughs> I was thinking like classic kids Halloween media haunted house. Yep. And then it fades up and you get to see everything and it all looks a lot more innocent and mm-hmm. chill than than was imagined. Yeah, it looks a little bit more like uh, Minute or Undertale or something. Yeah, which we should potentially address that particular elephant mm-hmm. at some point um that this game bears a resemblance to undertale or at the very least owes some of its like success to toby fox's undertale at some yeah. point um yeah i don't think it's that explicit um i like every review i looked i always look at a handful of reviews before we do the the episodes uh, every single one of them brought up Undertale. Yeah. And I don't think it's that close to warrant that. I agree. But um, I, I think for me, it was like in some of the music where I felt the biggest inspiration. Mm-hmm. I think music, I think um, the sort of graphical style. Yeah. Uh, but There's, it's both definitely, of them are just yeah. harking back to older things. So mm-hmm. It's definitely in there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I don't think... Like the, you'll note that when I was giving a sales pitch at the beginning, I did not say this is like Undertale, uh, because it isn't. And if you go in thinking it's going to be Undertale, it isn't going to live up to that. No, because it's no. just a different kind yeah. of. I'm thing. sure there'd be plenty of overlap, though. The people mm-hmm. who like Undertale would like this, probably. Um, 
But yeah, so then you go and you explore this little town that's being made. And at this point... And that's my personal favorite part. Mm-hmm. Even though it's very simple and you just... It's, I think it's poking fun at that. Like you're just doing little fetch quests. Yeah. Uh, I found that to be the most charming and fun part for me. Yeah, and I liked sort of... Because this game is actually pretty funny. Um, mm-hmm. Which worked really well in this part because I was still expecting to be scared. And when I when you're on edge like that and they tell you a joke, it tends to land better. Um, so I, I thought that this whole section was great um, as well. I do want to address uh, very quickly, what did you name your buddy? We know, Wombo. Yeah, classic me thing if you're a long-time listener. <laughs> yeah. What was your favorite season? Uh, I picked summer. Okay, mine was fall. Yeah. Uh, what color? Green is my favorite color. Wow, we both did green. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, oh, what was the name of your pet and what was your favorite animal? Uh, my favorite animal was uh, an octopus. Okay. Um, and I named him Gus. Oh, that's good. Um, I, I was curious about this, if it's always a dog or not. Because I, I, know I picked an octopus, and I was going to go out on a limb and say there's probably not an octopus sprite in the game. But I was wondering if you picked, like, a cat or some other common animal that it would actually have, like, a sprite for it. My understanding is that it's always a dog. Okay. Because like, it's the, a the, repurposed... Like, the AI doesn't know. Right. It's, like, man's best friend. It must be dog. <laughs> well, I think, uh, more explicitly, there's... Uh, there's an indication that, that, that like, you are not the first person. Um, right. And so when the game starts to glitch out, the dog is named Milo. Mm. Um, mine was Bobby the Shark. but Of course. Of course. <laughs> uh, which was very much not a dog. Though it's very funny when, and I'm sure you had the same experience, when the AI will talk about it. And be like, oh, you don't want to hang out with that old shark. <laughs> it's yep. like a weird sort of uh, like discrepancy uh, that's really funny. Yeah, but um, I guess to the benefit of anybody who hasn't played or doesn't remember, um, the game does ask you several questions up front, like the AI does, and it incorporates it into the game that it makes, mm-hmm. which I also felt like they could have done more with, um, but I don't want to like, you know... <laughs> make a big deal of that or anything mm-hmm. but um yeah like it you, you it whatever color you pick it tints the screen that color um and yeah like it, it names your pet whatever you pick and i don't know what the season dictates uh i believe that it changes some sprites uh like and maybe this i'm not sure on mm-hmm. uh there's I know that throughout my game, there were, like, leaf sprites on the ground. Okay, so, yeah, I didn't have those. Right. Did you have, like, flowers or something in their place? Probably. I guess summer would probably be look like the default one, right. I would imagine. <laughs> uh, but specifically, I know it calls it out on occasion where it's, like, they'll just say, like, it's a beautiful fall yeah, day. Yeah, like, I didn't know how much it would affect it because I was, like... I- as soon as the RPG part starts, like you go into like a swamp, and I'm like, oh, is this like the summer location? Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know if it went that far or not. No, yeah, I don't, I don't believe that it does anything uh, too significant for season, but, mm-hmm. uh, but I think that stuff is really cool. I like that they choose to incorporate that kind of stuff in, mm-hmm. uh, even if it's in a small way, just as like, it's a point of connection between you and the buddy. 
to make it seem, you know, a little bit more personalized. Yeah. Uh, but there is the question, of course, that we have not asked each other mm-hmm. since we started playing, which were, who were your two party members? I ended up picking, um, I think his name is Rudy, the blacksmith with the big arms. Yes, the big arm guy. Uh, and, oh God, what was his name? Like, um, the guy well, the guy with the hat on the skateboard, the little blob. Something with an M. Yeah, I don't remember because I didn't pick him, yeah, so I forget so a lot of the I names. I picked those two. Um, if I would have remembered the barkeeper, I would mm. have taken him. Um, but, yeah, those were what I picked. Yeah, I went with Cauldron, the chef. Okay. Uh, and Lloyd, the guy who reads poetry in the sewer. Okay. Yeah, those were the two characters I didn't help. Oh, wow. Because uh, I didn't want... I, I wish I would have uh, known you get any items you feed to him back. Right, yeah. Uh, because like I, I had it down to only items that I didn't want to get rid of. <laughs> uh, so I ended up not feeding Cauldron the last thing to get something out of it, to complete his quest. And then I had already done the quest where I moved What's-His-Name with the hat. Oh, right. So I couldn't take him down to the sewer. Oh, moved as in, like, picked up. So yeah. Morton is the yeah, guy Morton. with the hat. Yeah, yeah. okay, I took Morton. Um, and I fed Morton to Cauldron. <laughs> <laughs> I fed the dead grandma to the Cauldron, also. yeah. But, uh, yeah, like, I didn't take Morton down to the sewer guy because I'd already done the quest. Mm-hmm. So I did. those were the two that I didn't help. So I'm glad that you took them with you. Yeah. <laughs> you actually don't need yeah. to leave Morton with him. You give the dead grandma to him. Uh, oh, I'd already given him. the dead grandma to Cauldron. Oh, and didn't finish the, yep. uh, I got you. Yeah. Um, well, there you go. Yep, that's the thing. Dead grandma is, in fact... Uh, <laughs> dead grandma. Dead grandma is Lloyd's special move. Ah, uh, that's he, really funny. He throws the grandma, and she like goes around and hits all the enemies yeah. on the screen. Yeah, I thought it was funny that like Morton rides a skateboard because he has no feet, right? So he does kick flips <laughs> to attack, which is pretty funny. That's really sick, actually. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that I would have a similar thought yeah. about all of the characters, like that they they have neat stuff to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took Cauldron because I thought maybe he could be a healer. Mm. Uh, he really can't. His special move <laughs> grants a buff, but it's based on random chance. Like, there's a slot element to it, mm-hmm. and you have to match elements, and then he gives whoever you target a food, and then they either get, like, some kind of status buff or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh but Lloyd was the best fucking character I've ever seen. Because uh, he deals, like, a million damage. Mm. Uh, his move is, like, his, like, basic move. You type the words that he says, like, his poems, mm-hmm. and it deals damage based on the number of letters in the words. And it's usually around, like, 10 to 15, which is, like, average. But it tends to skew higher, whereas most things just do, like, 10 or 8. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, I, I thought Lloyd was fantastic. I'm glad. Cauldron, <laughs> I was a little less uh, happy with in the end. Mm-hmm. Rudy and Morton were pretty average, I thought. Okay. <laughs> uh, he, what's his name? Rudy just shoots rocket arms, as you would expect. It's pretty good. Because like, like, you find out his arms are actually small, and uh, the, the big ones are fake. So he uses them as, like, weapons. I didn't, yeah, definitely did not know that he had small arms. Oh, he, I, th- I thought that was in his quest, 
where like after he made the sword for you like he like when he w- would go to make it like he would like pop out of the fake arms to like make the sword i may have just not noticed mm-hmm. uh to, to build off of that i think um who like you can take with you being dictated by like which quests you completed mm. is probably like the thing i remember most about the game um i think it really makes a good like an effective use of the evolving um gameplay uh structure yeah um it, yeah it takes the most advantage of the premise i think the yeah. carrying something from the last part into the next part like in an unexpected way right and it also like it's the added complexity like from the original part into uh each subsequent part is normally a mechanical thing but in this case it also carries over into sort of the plot of the game where it's like these characters that you helped out now get to accompany you based on who you choose Mm -hmm. Uh, and i didn't agonize over my choices or anything um and i think that's probably good it's to just grab whoever and and keep moving along because you really don't have much of a a knowledge about what they're gonna do right uh yeah I, i like that a good bit um so what what did you think about the actual combat in the game? Uh, sort of like a mix between, uh, well, I don't know. It's not really a mix. It just sort of does the Super Mario RPG thing. Yeah, you got the timed button presses, and then you've got like a, um, like a cutesy like you you have to befriend the enemies type system mm-hmm. uh, instead of kill them. Um, yeah, and I, it's enjoyable for what it is. Um, f- spread out over a full game, it would definitely be too shallow. Yeah. Um, but I thought it like it was engaging enough for like the chunk of the game that you do it. Yeah. And, yeah, like, it was like funny enough. Like um, the fact that you actually had to like type some stuff mm-hmm. um, is cool. Like we've talked about this before, where. Um, PC games are on PC, so why don't more of them like use the keyboard? Uh, this game actually uses the keyboard. Yeah, I was thinking about how this would be, uh, like, put onto a different console if they wanted to, and it just doesn't seem like it would ever be possible. Uh, you would have to jump through a lot of hoops yeah. uh, to get around the way that the combat works. <laughs> Bundle it with the keyboard. Yeah, but you could put it on the GameCube so that you can mm-hmm. use that weird-ass GameCube keyboard controller. Oh, yeah, wasn't that for, like, an MMO? Like, yeah, uh, Fantasy Star or something? Something like that. I think that's that's accurate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think, honestly, the where the comparison to Undertale falls down the most is, like, yes, in Undertale, there's the option to, uh, like, solve fights non-violently. In this game, there really isn't. Like, it's just the one mechanic. And despite the fact that it, it describes it as them being impressed by you, you're still, like, shooting needles at yeah. them and stuff. Yeah, it's supposed to just be a joke. Yeah. Like, um, like the AI is making, like, an RPG game where you just fight enemies, but it's, like, theming it around friendship and being like, oh, no, you're actually befriending them by hitting them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think, uh, yeah, it's supposed to be, like, a cheeky joke. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was, w- worked yeah. pretty well. Yeah, uh, it, especially with the one, uh, like, cricket or, like, bug character that you keep uh, oh, bullying, yeah. whatever his name was. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's uh. What was your uh, what's your attack called? Oh, uh, Mickey slap tap. Oh, of course it's the Mickey slap tap. Uh, mine was just call- I just call mine the Chad. I didn't put a ton <laughs> of creativity into this. I thought you were gonna go with like one of your like Skyrim names, like the Scroat Stabber the gr- or something. <laughs> the exquisite Scroat Stabber. <laughs> the Chad. The Chad. Uh, <laughs> I wish I had been maybe a little bit more creative, but then I also thought that was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I kind of rolled with it. Uh, so um, I don't. This might be too early, so feel free to shut it down and. <laughs> Uh, save it till the end. I probably won't. Um, but what did you think of the actual like creepy slash horror elements of this game? It's weird, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think I do like them, and I will, I guess, shout out a bit the fact that this game has a couple of like jump scare esque moments where the game will freak out and mm-hmm. and and freeze. I think pretty tastefully done though. I you, agree. You brought up Simulacra and not to dunk on that game because I liked it. Yes. Um it it does the jump scare thing and it's just like cheap jump scares. It's a trashy jump it's scare. Like, ah! <laughs> uh this one, like the glitchy sound effects aren't too loud or any it, it doesn't feel like this is dumb. Right. When you yeah. see it, you know, like it's actually kinda creepy. Yeah, full agree. Um, but outside of those, obviously, um, I, I actually, I loved the meta-narrative that you get little glimpses of, of, like, the, I don't know, the Big Brother AI, the version of the AI mm. that is actually, like, sort of giving the, the directive to the body. Yeah, is that, that's the one that's, like... When you go into the, there's one glitchy moment where you go down into like a basement and there's like a big stick guy. Yeah, yeah, and he shows back up again at the the end end. of the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, one of my favorite moments in the game is, uh, I think it's where he tells you to go in the door, and if you don't go in the door for a long time, they're eventually respawning the door behind you. Yeah, but there's a there's a sequence where he is speaking. Uh, like but the buddy text box is on screen, but then at the top of the screen, it look looking like uh like console commands, is like sort of is the like AI learning version of the text that's actually being displayed. Mm-hmm. So it's like, uh, I want you to know that this isn't my fault, and it's like, uh, at the top, it's like, uh, make sure that they. Whatever I don't I can't I can't remember any of yeah, the specific. It, it's dialogue. like instructions for the AI and yeah. then the way it chooses to voice those things. Yeah, it's really good to me because it isn't the same like malicious AI trope. And in the end of the game, at least in the ending that I got, it's revealed that the the AI isn't actually malicious. No, uh, it's just sort of confused, and the uh, like the overarching AI understands more of what's going on uh and that was the first moment for me where i realized that there was that separation because before the big creepy guy in the corner is just like creepy that's like, it's like yeah. i don't know what his purpose is mm-hmm. it but, gave me some dujana vibes like you just walk down into the basement and there's just like a giant dude in there <laughs> yep imagine if just it was talking inclination. to himself yeah I, I can i can imagine that pretty easily yeah uh it also kind of reminded me of the giant guy from uh accounting plus oh yeah 
But uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think the moments that are in there are handled well. I, I just felt like I kind of wanted some more. Like, okay, I think yeah. it's the balance of like, there's a big chunk of the game in the middle that's like a quirky uh, part of that like lineage of like Earthbound inspired indie games mm-hmm. in there. And I don't, I feel like the, it's almost there, but they're not quite integrated as well as they could be. Yeah, I would argue that like Earthbound is a kind of a spookier game than this. Sure, sure. <laughs> but like it's a full length game though. True. But like it, that isn't its like outset. Like that's not why Earthbound exists is to be frightening. Mm-hmm. And it feels like this is marketed that way. This happens to us every Halloween where we pick a slate of games and at least some of them always turn out to actually be comedy games. Yeah, I mean <laughs> I, I just think that's more interesting. I don't think that's a problem. Uh it's not a problem it just does happen to yeah, us all the time it, we it, had no idea it, what this game was gonna be we, yeah we just try to we try to pick the interesting things mm-hmm. <laughs> and those are comedy horror games apparently <laughs> and i mean it's, it's turned out pretty well mm-hmm. all things considered uh but yeah this this did uh lack a bit in the horror but i think it made up for it in its uh, the tone is mm. exquisite especially at the beginning and at the end uh, and then it, it has the it's whole... Exquisite as a scrote stabber? It's as exquisite as a scrote stabber. Um... <laughs> but yeah, that's... I, I really enjoyed the tone that this game took. I agree, I wish it would have been a little bit more of a horror game. But also, I don't want it to push the like edgelord no. boundaries that a game that does try and fuck with itself in the way that it would crash and reboot, yeah, tends I am, to go. Yeah, I guess I am glad that it was a bit more reserved than, like, going over the top, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, so one thing I wanted to bring up, because um, I guess this is just a fascination of mine, um, I think I brought this up on the um, uh, Animal Crossing episode, where I, I really kind of want a game that is just truman show the game as like the elevator pitch right uh and this game has a little bit of that going on i think the actual version of this is frog fractions <laughs> but uh that execution is like super goofy and like uh its own kind of thing mm-hmm. but like something like this i think would be really cool is if you like started in the top down version of the game and then you found like all the little secret stuff and like you kind of broke the boundaries and then the AI was revealed. To, you know, something like that I think would be really cool. And it might exist out there, but, like, I'm, I'm not aware of it. Right. I, I just feel like that's a ripe idea for any aspiring indie game developers. <laughs> like, the idea of, like, you're plopped into, like, a seemingly normal, like, I think top-down or, like, uh, like RPG or some kind of game like that, what it would work best with mm-hmm. for some reason. But um, seemingly normal of that kind of a game and then like you can like slowly realize that things are off and you can like kind of break out of the game and it becomes like a whole different thing i think it's a cool idea yeah and this game has like elements of that like when you said it i was actually more surprised i think at how close this game actually gets to it Mm -hmm. the the downside of course being that it's a consumer game and therefore you're allowed to quit playing yeah And, (laughs) and it would be very hard to do that now when the internet exists as soon as like uh, you know the initial wave of people buy it and play it everyone will know yeah yeah it would be rough yeah uh 
you'd have to live with creepy pastas from here on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, and I think that that speaks to sort of like the imagination that the game actually does have, right? Like it has elements of these things that are uh, like more broad tropes, but I think it it really does this in a way that feels unique to me. Yeah, no, it's definitely an inspired uh, twist on the on these ideas. Mm-hmm. So uh, another thing oh, we we mentioned uh, the game has multiple endings, and I think we got the same one. But um, yeah, you you wake up on like the final iteration of the game uh, world, and it's in first person. You got mm-hmm. your little sword, your little Minecraft sword, uh, and you go out into the foggy expanse, and you're walking around, and then you're being like, up like uh, enemies are just like running and screaming at you, and you know you try to hit them and kill them real quick with the sword. Yeah. Um, and then like your party members are killed. And then it's just you and your buddy, and then you play the he he, he forces you to play the uh, just the two person games like catch yeah it's swing ca- and seesaw yep and um and the way you end up like breaking out of it is these key commands come up and you end up typing in like something like terminate it's whatever it's yeah it's a deletion thing I yeah. actually caught it at the very end yeah when it started having you press enter yeah i was like oh wait because <laughs> i i like that a lot mm-hmm. um and i totally sympathize with the developer that like i really wish there was a way to signal to the player to do that and they could be more involved in it rather than you're just typing and not realizing to the end what you're doing right like happened to both of us uh like i just i yeah once again totally sympathize and don't know how i would solve the problem but I feel like it would be a lot stronger uh, if the player had to realize that they have to do that themselves. Yeah, I think because like it, I noticed at the beginning, it does say at any time type whatever, whatever to quit or to like end the program. Right, and like it would have been cool to have to like recall that knowledge to like quote beat the game. Yeah. Because obviously the trouble here comes from how do you clue the player exactly, to do yeah, it without just telling them, right? And it's that's that is a difficult thing to pull off. Mm-hmm. Maybe do it exactly this way, but then hide another ending where y- you type something different, and mm-hmm. and that's how. Yeah, it and I don't know what the other endings are, but True. maybe there is a secret ending where you have to do something like that. Right. Uh. No, but I did think that was really cool. That was a great ending to a game that felt like a fucking Hollywood movie to me, where it's like the, at the end, like the heroes are like, "Oh, but we're gonna die for sure," and then like some guy swoops in in a fucking helicopter and he's like, "While you were doing this the whole time, mm. I came from over there with the helicopter." Yeah, yeah, like the reveal, like like the Ocean's Eleven reveal, <laughs> like this is how it actually happens. God. Uh, the fucking this is the Ocean's Eleven <laughs> fi- prestige that, of this game. It's just like I think you're right. It is like the perfect ending mm-hmm. for this kind of narrative. Yeah, it's it's really good. I I went on a roller coaster ride with this, <laughs> where I started in love with it and then dipped into uh, uh, an acceptance of it uh-huh. and then it those ran- <laughs> lever puzzles weren't really doing it for you yeah the lever puzzles that is where i quit yeah <laughs> i forgot it's understandable yeah and then it comes back up at the end 
let me briefly i don't really have much else to uh-huh. go over but i did have one and a half stories that i wanted okay. to tell uh is either of them about the scene where you, you had to kill the dog no we could talk okay. about that as but well. anyway do your things first uh <laughs> so the first story is just uh i stopped i played this game in one night and then i stopped at a point and then i came back and it was like a week and a half later uh and the point where i was was i remember loading in to the game and taking like two steps forward and it being that 10 lever thing which ended up of course just being click it until you hear a sound uh and flip all the levers to the right I, but I, I love the idea that like, I got to the point where I saw the levers and I was just like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I'll come back later. Uh, but anyway, I did all that and I, you know, continued with the game I was playing, uh, and I get to King Wrath, uh, which if you haven't played the game is a boss. And then right after that boss, it goes into the last dungeon, which is a very literal dungeon. Yeah. Where you fight the final boss, the Snoodle Wonker. Yes. So I kill the boss, and then I go up a ladder that is in the room. And it even prompts you. It's like, do you want to leave? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, and I start walking around the town, and I was like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? And I... Just was like, I'm lost. I don't remember what was said to me a week and a half ago with the last time I played this game. So I'm just going to look it up because obviously I fucked something up, etc., etc. And I was like, this is probably a problem people have because it didn't tell me where to go. And the game normally tells you where to go. Mm -hmm. So I was like Googling like uh, Buddy Simulator after King Raph or like Buddy Simulator, (laughs) where go, walk through, anything. And there aren't any text walkthroughs, so I ended up having to watch a video, which made this much more humiliating. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't have brought this up if it wasn't, if it was just me forgetting something and then going back. Mm-hmm. So what it was was go right. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very me moment where I just like finished the boss, didn't immediately see what to do, and just abandoned all hope. <laughs> I was like, I didn't notice that there was a hallway. I just walked the fuck away. Uh, but it was uh, the reason that it's that it even stuck out is because there was an added wrinkle that it took me like a half an hour to actually start playing the game again because this game, and I would Uh-oh. never expect anyone to know what this program was except for the fact that we all live in a sort of like work from home world at the moment Mm -hmm. uh but we use a uh remote desktop service called citrix uh which is like just a corporate program that people use Mm -hmm. uh in order to access my job (laughs) and that program interacts poorly with buddy simulator and when you launch it, it will just crash. And I didn't. it didn't happen the first time. But I did actually find a solution. The developer knew. They were like, it's probably Citrix. And I was like, no, that's weird. <laughs> so I had to uninstall work to play the game, which I feel really works with the themes here yeah. of just play with your buddy forever. Quit your job. Uninstall mm-hmm. work. Play with me. Yeah. What was the name of your buddy? Uh, Gary. Gary, he didn't want you to work anymore. He, yep. <laughs> work was too too much stress. 
That is a great story. Yeah. So anyway, moving on. Kill the dog. Oh, yeah. So uh, after you um, get, like, towards the end, um, and you, you, you feet, defeat the snoodlewonger or whatever, <laughs> uh, you go back through the tunnel, and you come back to the house, and the whole, like, everybody from the town is there, and your, your dog is there, and uh, the the turtle Tortimer, I don't remember Tortly, Tortly, yeah, uh, is telling you that you have to now kill your dog, uh, and I I refuse to do it. Yeah, and I did too. yeah, I, I assume most people will. Uh, and then uh, if you don't, the AI kills the dog for you, like very violently. Yeah. Um, and I just thought that was like a, a another standout moment. <laughs> That I wanted to mention, like coming back into the town and everyone's there, yeah, is like a like a creepy, uh, like children of the corn kind of moment. Yeah, yeah, and the to me anyway, and I don't know. I presume that this is like the underlying shit for everybody else. I I don't remember what the name, the other player's name, where the game bleeds together. Oh uh, yeah, is but I believe the dog's name was Milo. Um, and so this dog is like the source of a lot of consternation for Gary, uh, for the buddy in the game where he doesn't want you to interact with the dog. Yeah. And it does seem like it's trying to like warn you, uh, at a couple of different points. And it does save you from having to do that terrible lever puzzle Mm -hmm. by crashing the game. Uh, and so the dog has a lot of, I believe, a lot of importance to whoever was, like, previous to you in this, like, grand AI experiment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, them, I knew that they were going to get rid of the dog. Yeah. But the fact that it, like, was just fucking demolished from off screen took me by surprise. Yeah, you would have thought that it would have just deleted the dog. Yes. And not, like, <laughs> smashed it. Uh, yeah, it's it's an effective moment in a way that I don't think I would have expected from a game with this like level of graphical fidelity. Yeah, it, yeah, and the only other thing I had that I wanted to mention, you just mentioned right there, um, is the fact that the game does pull the uh, trick of crashing itself and sending you little notifications, mm-hmm. uh, which is always cool when games do that. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's really making use of the medium. Yeah. Do we have friendly thoughts? Uh, my friendly thoughts for all my buddies out there. Uh, <laughs> you shout outs to my buddies. <laughs> are, uh, this game is really cool. It, it's one of those... Um, classic like no clip pocket indie gems um and the only thing is that i i wish i'd gone into it totally blind uh because i think it would have hit harder to go from the text adventure to the to the top down and beyond yeah uh, that it grows into um but that was the only thing i knew about it so i guess uh it wasn't so bad still mostly everything else got to be a surprise um yeah, so, like, what here is really good, um, it's just one of those games where it's, like, you can see more inside of it. Like, you can, you, you see, you, it makes your imagination, I think, kind of 
run with like all the things that like you could do or all the things that might happen. Um, and I don't think it really gets to quite stretch its legs as much as it probably wanted to. Um, and like, that's its biggest fault. Um, is that, yeah, it just feels like there could be more. And I do think that this developer is working on another game, mm-hmm. um, potentially a sequel to this, but I'm not sure. Uh, I think I saw on the Steam page they were having some kind of like a contest or some kind of poll or something. Um, so I guess check that out if you're interested. Yeah. Um, Buddy Simulator 1985. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think this is like a, a great indie gem that had a lot of cool ideas and did manage to kind of tie them together into a unique package. Um, yeah, its biggest flaw, I think, is yeah that it just feels like it had more potential. Yeah, I can agree with that. Um, like we mentioned earlier in the in the podcast, I think that this game was a little less scary than I wanted it to be um, from its marketing. But I'm not going to complain about being a little bit deceived in that zone because the game makes up for it by being really interesting i think that a lot of the selling points of this game uh two people are chosen specifically because they don't fully describe the game because the game wants to be a surprise uh so things like this game evolves while you play it and this game is a spooky game don't really encapsulate what's cool about this but it does entice you and draw you into the game Mm -hmm. so going in blind is obviously best but very rarely does anyone do that these days um and i think what's there is very cool um the game where i said it was less scary is much more funny than i expected it to be it has a, a particular sense of humor that outside of a few jokes isn't like it's not highbrow but it's also not like poop jokes clever yeah it's pretty clever as far as its comedy goes um and i really like a lot of the dialogue and the combat is more engaging than i would have expected it's a lot harder than i expected it to be Mm -hmm. though i didn't ever die it's just hard to play optimally, and I think that's probably good for a game like this. Um, yeah, in the end, I was a little bit let down in places and then brought back up in other places. Uh, this game is a real inverse bell curve for me, uh, and I liked it. I would recommend it to people who mm-hmm. haven't already listened to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, if you like weird indie games, like definitely add this to your list. Yeah. Thank you for listening to No Clip Pocket this week. What are we talking <laughs> about next time? Next time, we're going to be talking about Sally Face, uh, which is a advent- like a point-and-click adventure game, because we can't not do one of them every year, at least. I feel like we're actually really restrained I- <laughs> for the amount of them that we like and we could talk about. Mm-hmm. We haven't done that many. I feel like it is a Halloween staple, though. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of like, yeah, uh, psychological and other kinds of horror point and clicks. Yeah. So it is. It is a point and click adventure game uh, that was made, from my recollection, entirely by one guy, mm-hmm. um, which is sort of what I mean. Plus a recommendation to me personally. 
uh, well, is the thing that I think makes it very cool uh, to talk about. So yeah. it's got that um, inspired like passion project indie feel to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I should throw out a content warning: mm-hmm. if you do intend to play it, uh, it has some scenes of violence and uh, some some themes uh, of suicide. Yeah, it isn't. Uh, a game for the faint of heart and may border on that edgelord territory that I mentioned a earlier. Bit, here. A little bit. Yeah. But don't let that turn you off, though. Because I remember when we first booted it up, I was like, uh. Mm-hmm. But then it, it, it actually executes it pretty well. It's a lot more charming than I would have guessed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it starts off, I think, seeming kind of off putting. Yes. In its tone. But it's not. <laughs> Until that time. If you want to get a hold of us, all of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com. There you can find links to our Twitter, our email address, the YouTube, where you can check out all of our old episodes, including Telling Lies, the desktop simulator. Mm, Deltarune. Yeah. And Undertale Undertale. twice. The Undertale epilogue, Mm -hmm. might I recommend. Uh, Minute. Oh yeah, another man, game that's kind of like this has a, a black and white, I mean monochromatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, if your favorite color is green, uh, <laughs> you could also check out Obra Din, which has an option to make the game very green. Yeah, or Downwell. That's also yeah. They're on. The, I did play with the Matcha palette, so mm. it's good shit. I liked the Aqua one. That was my my preferred. Nice. Uh, <laughs> subscribe. Chad, what are you doing? <laughs> Just hit the subscribe button. Rebel against YouTube, who insists that we should only have 80 subscribers. 83, I think we have. <laughs> and we've been sitting at that for like two years. Yeah. Rebel. <laughs> subscribe to us. Make us have more. Rebel by ringing that bell. Oh, nice. Oh yeah, also we're on Google Podcasts. Oh yeah. (laughs) I did remember to change it on the end card. I was I was gonna look up that slogan again. Oh right. It was love is a battlefield? A battlefield. <laughs> Love is a battlefield. Love is fun everywhere. everywhere. Even on a L- battlefield? I-F-E. Life. Even on a battlefield. Mm-hmm. We've confirmed it. We've run all the tests. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Love can, in fact, bloom even on a battlefield.